Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You have offended this podcast and you have offended the entire movie making community. What about this uh, ninja cult? There are no ninja cults. And welcome once again to You Have Offended This Podcast. We watch martial arts movies. My name is Mike McCarran, and with me, as always, is a man who once killed several dozen men on a train, Chad Lindsay. How are you, buddy? I I did it left-handed. Um, I'm really good. <laughs> really fucking good. What you don't know about me, my friend, I am also left-handed. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this week, we are getting into 1995's The Hunted on our penultimate Season 2 podcast so welcome to the near end of season two this is one i hadn't seen in an extremely long time i i vaguely like you remembered bits and pieces of it when i was doing the rewatch but uh yeah i actually quite enjoyed this movie this this did not do well this movie this movie i'm kind of i'm kind of pissed that this movie has eight percent on rotten tomatoes currently eight percent which i think is a little bit unfair. I mean, this isn't a perfect film. It it, it has some flaws, yeah. but I don't believe it's an eight. And that's that's eight out of 100. Yeah, like, it is not an eight out of 100 movie. This is better than that. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, when we get to it, the train scene alone bumps this movie to at least 25. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that I really liked about this. In going back, like, I hadn't seen it since the late 90s. Yeah. And... I, I remembered the train scene. I remember Joan Chen was in it. Yeah. And I remembered the train scene. And I remember the very last fight. But other than that, like, it was blank. And, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad, the signs of a bad movie. I just think that, you know, in some places, you know, let's be honest, the movie's a little flat. Yep. But overall, like, that that train scene I thought was just awesome. Oh, that train scene is off the chain. I really, really liked that. When I watched that, the guy that plays Takada, uh, Yoshio Harada, that dude's yeah, awesome. Man. He is the star of the movie. Like, Oh, my God, he is. Far and away, he's the star of the movie. And, and here we have Christopher Lambert, the Frenchman, playing a guy from New York City. <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> As we, in, yeah, in Japan. As we've discussed, Christopher Lambert never actually gets cast... Well, he doesn't often get cast as his appropriate heritage. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hi, I'm from France. Yeah, you're going to play a Scotsman in the 1500s. <laughs> That's immortal and goes to New York. All right. And now you're going to play a Sicilian in uh, Mario Puzo's film. Right. I will be Sicilian? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yes, I can play hey, Sicilian. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is still acting. He's actually great. Someone he's dies great. tonight. Oh, he's awesome, dude. I love this guy. Like, he's been a working actor, like, Jesus, 1979, I think was his first film. Like, God, it's fucking ridiculous how many movies this guy's been in. Like, 100, I think his IMDb says 102 films. And, like, holy yeah. shit, man. Like, there's some good ones in there. Like you said, The Sicilian's in there. Obviously, Highlander, the, the, the Highlander series. And then the hunted and Dude, Mortal Kombat and holy fuck, man! There's a ton. In I there. I completely refuse to watch the Highlander Part Two, the Quickening. Oh uh, yeah, and 
then because I just heard about it and I was like, what? No, that's not the plot. And they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that's a that's bullshit. So I didn't watch it. And then like five years ago, I was like, OK, it can't be that bad. And I shut it off like I was like 20 <laughs> minutes in and I was like, what, 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 what bullshit is this? <laughs> what a colossal pile of shit. Remember Highlander 3 with Mario Van Peoples oh. as the wizard with the big fucking nose ring? Do like I? That was better. That was better. That was better than 2. 2 was, two was as much as I love the people who made it, it was awful. Yeah. It was fucking awful. But this one was fun, so let's let's get into this. Let's get into this let's one, The Hunted, which this. is also a title for like four other movies as well. Yeah, if you're trying to find this to watch somewhere, be aware. Like you're going to get a lot of Benicio del Toro, Tommy Lee Jones, of that Hunted, which we should cover at some point too, even partial arts, because they do have a pretty wicked knife fight in that one. There's a couple of really good knife fights in that one. I actually quite enjoyed that, as cheesy as that was. I like yeah. that one. Yeah, let's get into this one, 1995, The Hunted. Before we do that, as always, thank you to our patrons, Mike and Mike. You guys rule. Keep that up. If you want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. You can check out our levels there. There's five different ways, levels, I should say, to support us there, starting at just five bucks a month, and that gets you all of our full podcasts. You can also check out our social media. We are at YHOTP on Twitter. You can look up You Have Offended This Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find all our stuff there. We'll give you a heads up as to what movies we're covering next, what's coming up on upcoming seasons. And you can interact with us and tell us what movies you like, what what actors and actresses you like, anything you'd like us to cover, even on partial arts. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also go to our website, offendedpodcast.com. If you don't feel like becoming a patron and having a monthly recurring cost, you can go there and buy a, buy a piece of merch. Buy something from us. We have some wicked cool shirts and hats and fanny packs and raincoats and all kinds of cool stuff. So you can go there, buy something cool for yourself, rep the podcast, and then we get to kind of keep the lights on over here too. So thank you very much for supporting us, and let's get into 1995's The Hunted. So starting off here, we get this, uh, this quote on the screen of, uh, you know, the one who's a samurai must be for all things, whatever it says, which was pretty cool. I like yeah. I like samurai quotes in the beginning. It's kind of dope. And uh, it, it opens up here with, with Christopher Lambert, like you said, being in Japan and sort of uh, lots of overhead scenery of, you know, pagodas and temples and stuff. And then him with his business partners, he's selling computer chips, uh, I believe. Which I kind of thought was weird because, you know, like the Americans aren't known for selling electronics to the Japanese. But hey, (laughs) what are you going to do, I guess? In 95, they seem to have that figured out quite nicely. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's true. You get a lot of shots here outdoor of Japan. They did the outer shots uh, of this movie in Japan. I forget which city they were in. I want to say Osaka, but I don't think that's right. But they filmed the majority of the film to save money. They did it in uh, in BC, in British Columbia, Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. Pretty cool. much the whole movie, with the exception of the outer shots and the bullet train stuff. They shot that in Japan, but everything else was pretty much shot in uh, in BC. So yeah, we've got we've got Lambert here with his two business partners, and the uh, they are finishing up their day, and the two guys want to go out and get some sushi and find some find some ladies to do their thing with and christopher lambert just i'm gonna call him by his character's name paul paul racine is his name and uh, he kind of doesn't want any of that 
He's he's not cool with going out. He wants to kind of hang by himself. However, he ends up going to the hotel bar and meeting up with the staggeringly attractive Joan Chen here in her backless red dress. She is giving him the eyes, and uh, pretty Joan Chen is pretty awesome. I'm digging her. Joan Chen is awesome. She was in, like, The Last Emperor, and she... <laughs> she Joan Chen is one of those people, I think, who is almost like um, like Cuba Gooding Jr., right? In that she'll do The Last Emperor, which is phenomenal, but then she does Steven Seagal's On Deadly Ground and ju- yeah, and fucking yeah. Judge Dredd. You know what I mean? It's like well, Cuba Gooding Jr. doing an Oscar-winning movie and then doing fucking Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Well, I knew Joan Chen. Like, I, I was first introduced to Joan Chen, like, five years prior uh, because she played Josie Packard on Twin Peaks. Yes, and yes, that's right. after she had done it, she just felt like her character wasn't going anywhere, so she asked to be written out of the show. Yep. Which, I don't know why you asked to be written out of a David Lynch production, but she did. And basically, David Lynch turned her into a doorknob. Like, <laughs> I'm not speaking metaphorically. No, she was turned into the doorknob. knob, the, the knob on a dresser. Like, she just kind of vanished, and then her face was this weird '90s CGI of her face in 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 the handle of a drawer. Uh, but she wanted to get out, and she wanted to do some films. So. Uh, this this must be what she gave up Twin Peaks for, but yeah. uh, she does a phenomenal job in this. Like she's a really good actor. She is so she pulls it off quite well. Yeah, she's really really good. I I don't mean to diminish her by saying what I said about her, but she's a tremendous actress. She just has oh yeah odd tastes in. Fi- but I mean, you know what? Like Christopher Walken says, if you're an actor and you wake up with a script in your hand, you're good to go. Like you're working, you're a happy person. It doesn't really matter. Oh my god, dude! If they if they offered to put me in Snow Dogs, I'd play one of Cuba's dogs right like, away. You know, I'd, right the fuck. I would say yes. I'd leave this podcast right yes now. To that. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. fucking be here. You're in Snow Dogs too. You play a Wolfie. Fuck so, yes. <laughs> fuck yes. I'd be calling you, the dude. I, was I got a gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking playing opposite Cuba Gooding Jr. as a dog. <laughs> but anyway, um, Lambert. Paul Racine here and Joan Chen, who plays uh, Karina, they kind of do a little date here, which was kind of nice. They go to see the the Tycho drummers in the park, which is the actual people who did the score for the movie. Uh, they're a, a okay. Japanese Tycho group called Kodo, who do a great job on the music for this film. The music in this film is dope. It's it's very fitting with the Japanese theme with the drums. Very, very good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, the the way that it's shot is kind of cool, too. And then you know, while they're on their date, we see the, the drummers. And then, of course, you know, our three men check into a hotel room and start poisoning shurikens and, yeah. you know, smoking cigarettes and gearing up to become ninjas. Getting into the ninja garb and whatnot. Yeah. Kind of a cool scene, man. It's your first look at, uh, at Kinjo, who is played by John Lone. I wonder if it's weird. Like, do you think, you know, when like a white person plays, uh, I don't know, a, a black person or, a, or a, a Japanese person or Chinese person, you get called out for sort of whitewashing that person's role. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm familiar with it because it's happened in, you know, a lot of countless films it's happened in. Yeah. You know, Scarlett Johansson caught some flack for playing a Japanese character in a in a uh, movie yeah. based on anime, right? But do you think people yes. from China, Hong Kong, like specifically Joan Chen and John Lone, 
are Chinese, but they're playing Japanese. Like, do you think they catch flack oh, for that? I, well, I think to yeah, yeah, I would say today people are going to catch flack for anything. Like, well, yeah, you know, that's you a get fact a, too. Yeah, you know, t- today you get a guy in a wheelchair and they're like, "Hey, man, that motherfucker can walk." Like, <laughs> you know, like, that's totally. Like, that's not even no, joking. There's no, there's no acting today. Like, you have to play. And I mean, even writing, like, because the writer for this, the writer of this film is white. So yes. I mean, like, you know, if I were to come out and say, "Hey, I wrote a really cool Japanese uh, ninja samurai story," they'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah, <laughs> so, shut up, white. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, but today, like, yes, like times a thousand. So yeah, I think probably in '95 though, it would have been just we'll cast who you cast, and the stupid white people watching the movie aren't going to know. So who cares? Well, yeah. It, it was probably yeah. that back in the day. But, yeah, I think everybody gets offended at everything right now. The writer of this film is actually the first-time director, the same guy. Uh, J.F. Lawton is his name. He wrote Pretty Woman. Yeah. And and apparently apparently that was a really dark first draft. Yeah, oh, yeah, where she's like a hooker and she's like drug-addled and shit, is she not? Is that right? Yeah, like it was it was dark. I was watching an interview with him and... And uh, they basically decided to turn it into a romantic comedy. Yeah. But it was it was much darker on that first pass. Yeah. Like, I, just, I can't even imagine it's just like, hey, Richard Gere. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do I kiss on the first date, there's a lot of things I do on the first date. Yeah. I'll bite your nutsack hard. <laughs> oh, my God. This does not sound like the way a pretty woman should speak. <laughs> but, oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, and he also wrote this, and he wrote uh, the Steven Seagal masterpiece, Under Siege. That actually is a, that actually is a pretty dope flick. So, is that the know, one with Michael Caine? I, no, Under Siege is oh, that, the one where he plays Casey Ryback. Yes, the, uh, the special forces guy that did He's some shit. So they busted him down to a cook to finish right. out his twenty. I'll bust you back to cook faster than your head will spin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hey. Right. Check on my pies. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That is actually a pretty good movie. That's Tommy Lee Jones. I'm thinking of Fire Down Below. Ah, uh, yes. With Michael Caine yes, yes, making yes. no effort to sound like a Texan whatsoever. <laughs> Michael Caine. Um, uh, Michael Caine. <laughs> Mike, yeah, all you have to do is say Michael Caine and you sound like Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, they get back to the room and they kind of have, I mean, they're both good actors, but they kind of have the let's get in the hot tub and make love makes it sweet sweet uh, love she sees his little bunny boxer shorts or whatever the fuck is on his boxer shirt piggies that's right piggies he he drops his boxer shorts she's like oh piggies he's like yes i I like piggies i like pigs (laughs) then she gets into the hot tub with her fucking dress on yeah well which you know whatever to do and then i think we have a couple of stunt titties there that come in for Joan Chen, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, well, there's some side boob or whatever. But, yeah, they have their little, little night together. Hot tub, lovey dovey. Uh, in the hot tub. Hot tub! Hot tub. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not do that. Fucking Eddie Murphy yeah. from 40 years ago. Fucking with me still. But, yeah, they, they do they thang. And then she kicks his ass out. Oh, yeah. Well, she she knows what's happening. Well, that was her last little fling. She knows what's up. She knows Kinjo's on the way to do his thing. And by do his thing, I mean cut her fucking head off. But this is kind of cool here when he leaves, and then she sort of just assumes the position. She gets in her little Cezanne kneel and waits, and Kinjo comes in, and she's like, I know what you're here to do. Just show me your face, you fuck. Like, I want to look at you first. And yeah, she like makes she him take like, the mask off. She she knows that he's a ninja, and she has no chance of getting away. Yep. She's pretty brave, like, 
overall. Like, and I know that everybody says that about women now. She's so brave, but like, I'm I'm talking legit brave because you know, like, she talks mad shit to a ninja who's right? about like, to cut her head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he realizes in the elevator as as he's leaving, Paul, that oh fuck, I have her hotel key. I should probably drop that shit off. So he goes back to the room just in time for Joan Chen to, like you said, talk some mad shit to the ninja. He uses the key to come in and he sees her get her fucking head lopped straight the fuck off. Yeah. Like, and that shocked me because Joan Chen, pretty famous actress at the time. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. oh, Joan, Joan Chen's in this movie. They fucking psycho, they psychoed me, right? Because it's just like, <laughs> oh, she's dead. Jesus Christ. Wait a second. I thought she was the star. Nobody's safe in this film. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was shocking, but, uh, but her, Kinjo, and Kinjo, you remember, like, this guy that plays Kinjo. Yeah. You and me and the boys all got together one night over at McMillan's, and we watched him and Alec Baldwin in The Shadow. Yes. Which is, like, a completely underrated gem of a goddamn superhero movie. It's a good that flick, movie man. is really, really good. Yeah. And hilarious. And he did a fantastic job in that as the villain. He was great in that. I love Alec Baldwin. He's fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I dig that. I really like Joan Chen here when she's, you know, he says, I was told to make it quick for you. And she said, I want it to last a long time and it'd be very, very painful. She's basically telling him to go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I know what it's like to be alive. Yes, that's right. Great line. But then she, as he sees that she's going to get killed, steps out and she sees him. And she's like, fuck, what are you doing, asshole? Yeah, yeah. And then he gets yeah, a fucking Paul? shuriken in his neck. Run, piggy. Run, um, piggy. <laughs> yeah, he gets that poison tip shuriken in his neck. Oh, which my neck. It'll, it'll, come, it'll come up later, but he has, like, some hallucinations. And, you know, they say something to the effect that the poison... The poison in small doses is supposed to give you visions. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it never went anywhere. So that was one of the things that I thought they were, you know, setting something up and there was just no payoff at the end. Yeah. I, I Just really no payoff. I wish they had done something with that because that they could have done a lot with that, with foreshadowing or... Yeah. Fuck. Something, man. Like, make him have a fucking vision of a past life or something where he was a ninja or a samurai or fucking something right like yeah that would have been cool anyway they wheel his ass out here on the gurney and then we get uh japanese dennis farina show up (laughs) (laughs) who i love i love this guy he's wicked yeah this guy's awesome when they take uh they take racine to the hospital here and uh of course they're in japan so they got to do fucking acupuncture on him which okay I'm not going to go off on my soapbox here, but acupuncture is not going to help a shuriken to the fucking neck. Like, get the fuck a poison. Over, get over yourself. A poison shuriken to the neck. Fuck off. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they have a bit of a, a bit of hallucination or a bit of a vision here where he's under the. I'm assuming he's sedated here, but because of the poison in the neck, like you said, he's having flashbacks or visions of making out with Joan Chen with Karina and her getting her head cut off and screaming and blood everywhere and very kind of James Bondy red bathed Karina. There's some, yeah, there's some there is some cool shots here, right? So there I kind of thought that they might be going down that road and he would continue to have these visions, but I think that's it. He might have one more, but I like they they, they don't really go anywhere with it. No. No, and it, it, that could have been a cool 
useful tool for them in the story. Yeah. Um, they show the shuriken there. But now we get a Japanese instructor here. Takeda. Takeda. And Takeda is teaching a kendo class. Yeah. Which, dude, I'm a, I'm a fucking nerd for this shit. I love watching dudes do kendo. Yeah, man. It's the coolest shit ever. This is something I really wish I had gotten into when I was living there. I had some buddies that did, and my wife has a uh, a friend that got really into it and still does it 20-some years later, so he must be a bad motherfucker now. But uh, just the armor and the way they the way they do it, I, I fucking dig this shit. I love it. So seeing this scene was cool, and you can tell these people know what they're doing. Like, I'm sure they went to UBC's Kendo Club or something and, and uh, you know, just got them to throw down a little bit. But this dude, Takeda, Yoshio Harada... He's a bad motherfucker. He is so great in this role. And I do, I really do love the relationship he has with his wife. He's a master. And I don't mean this in a sexist way, but like she knows how badass he is yeah. and treats him accordingly. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's just like, oh, he is guest instructor today. And he is this. And, uh, you know, later in the, later in the film, uh, Lambert's like, what if he loses? And she was. Just, she's just like Takeda will not lose. She's like, like you know, bitch. She's, please. She's. She's. She knows. You know? She knows her man is a motherfucker. You know who the so, fuck you're talking about right now? Yeah. Get the do you know, fuck. What do you if know he loses? Who, Shut the fuck up. What if he loses? <laughs> what did you get though? Fuck what if out? gravity reversed and yeah. I fell to the ceiling? You fucking asshole. Yeah. What are you? Like, <laughs> but she's. She is also a badass when she gets her Kyoto oh, bow yeah. out. Like, she's a motherfucker, too, and he knows that. Oh, like, yes. He treats her very much like an equal, like, yes. in that sense. Like, the, the scene at the end when, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this, but she gets shot through with an arrow. And he just goes over. He, he's not like, it's okay, honey. It's okay. He's He just goes behind her and breaks the shit off and pulls it through her. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like, well. You know you can handle you gotta this. You got to do what you got to do. I know you can handle this, so I'm going to fucking do what needs yeah. to get done. Yeah, he's a bad motherfucker, and she rules too. So I, I really like it. Yoshio Harada, the guy that plays Takada, he 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 unfortunately died in 2011. Motherfucker was in 143 movies. Well, the fucking guy has incredible control over his facial expressions. Yeah, like he's he looks like he has like the biggest chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and. His his wife has such a kind face all the time, yeah. And she's like, you know, communicating and whatnot. But they're basically, um, you know, they want to draw the ninjas out, and they're essentially they're going to use Paul as bait. Yeah, not essentially, literally. That's exactly what yeah, they're doing. Not even essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, just like Mister Burns, <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere without the bait. <laughs> Ding, beauty, the bathing beauty. There, covered up that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he's Takeda is one of those guys who he was he was legitimately for real born in the wrong time because yeah he's a guy that should have been around in the sixteen or seventeen hundreds when yes. if you made a a an error of manners in how you conducted yes. yourself, that shit got you killed. And yeah, there you know there I mean? are stories like I love reading those old samurai stories where if you if you're walking down the road and a samurai nods to you and you don't nod back, yeah. you're about to die. Like <laughs> yeah. that was the that's the way that they 
rolled. So <laughs> that's why I still call Saki Sake because when I was like a little teenager, it was like a samurai uh, Ronin was walking down the road. He still had Sake on his breath, and I called it Sake because I didn't know what Saki was. Right, I was like fourteen. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So I was like, "Hey, can I get some of that Sake? Uh, do you mean Saki, sir? Yeah, I was just t- yeah. yeah we call it." We call it Sake. I'm from. We call uh, it Sake in West Japan. That's what we do. Right. <laughs> it's called a Belgian dip. I'm... <laughs> That's how we do it, Belgium. I'm from upstate New York. Well, I'm from Utica. I don't know you. <laughs> but uh, well, he's awesome. He's yeah, I agree great. with you. He's in the wrong. He's in the wrong century. Yeah, yeah. He was in. He was in Tekken in 1990. He was in Zatoichi. Fucking great actor. I really dig this guy. And again, he is the charismatic center of this film right it's it's really yeah. between him and kinjo and paul like paul is just there to get these two guys together to fight but i think that's that happens a lot with you know i'll, I'll call them i'll call them western films like they usually are like okay well this is hollywood this is a western film so we got to throw a white guy in to kind of be the every man or the or the protagonist through which we the westerners yeah. watch these films but i mean you and i don't give a shit we're like hey this came from indonesia let's watch it yeah but yeah a lot of these hollywood films they'll 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 toss somebody in there oh it's a businessman from new york even big trouble in little china yep. uh, which did it expertly this one doesn't do it nearly as well as big trouble because yep. lambert for the most part is basically the damsel in distress yeah, and I like that they don't make him an expert. They, you know, near the end where he meets the the swordsmith, <clears throat> and the swordsmith starts to teach him a little bit. Like he learns a little bit, but he's by no means a master. Like he never gets good. No, you know, and it's really about these other two guys. There's a bit of time compression, Karate Kid syndrome here, where he ends up, you know, where he ends up, where we'll get to at the end of the film. But he's never, you know, oh my God, look at the white master ninja like fucking Tom Cruise yeah. in in yeah. the last samurai yeah. right like oh this guy's a yeah. bad motherfucker now yeah. he's never or that franco nero yeah right Franco, franco nero. Nero in the texas <laughs> texas ninja yeah that shit never happens so i do like this part now we, we get uh takeda and mieko here at the hospital and they decide yes we're going to use him as bait but takeda's basically like this, this fucking guy's dead already like these guys are going to come they're going to kill him like fucking let him go i don't even know what we're doing here but then we cut yeah. to Kinjo in the forest here with his little ninja cult, the Makato ninja clan here. And he is punishing two of his ninja subordinates here for kind of fucking up. And he make he kills one of them and then he makes the other guy fight him. And there's a good little a good little sword fight here. Toshishiro Obata's there in the background, kind of like that. Yeah. Cool seeing him again. But uh, yeah, these two guys fight. It's it's not bad. It's a little bit slow motiony, but pretty good. Pretty good little sword fight here between these two dudes. Yeah, yeah. The the exchange that that he has with his guy, it's it's all right. It's not groundbreaking. There's nothing really special. It's just moves the story to show that Kenjo ain't nothing to fuck with, right? Yeah, and it's I I found the choreography. It's okay. It's a little clunky. These are clearly two actors that they taught to sword fight. It's not like later when we get to the train scene like it looks like Takeda really knows what he's doing I don't know if he does or not or did but he he carries himself much better I mean this little exchange is a little bit more like something you'd see out of you know 
Xena warrior princess yeah. or Hercules. Like it's 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 lower caliber stuff. No insult to anybody that put that together. It's just it's not the it's not the best. No. And I mean like if you think about the budget of this film, the budget of this film was in the neighborhood of twenty million dollars. Okay, well, that's not that's not very much at all, really. Not really, and I mean, unfortunately, worldwide box office gross, it made six point six million dollars, so it took a fucking betang at the box office. But it it looks not bad. It looks it looks good, but it looks like a really good made for TV movie. Yeah, like it really looks like a made for TV like show. Fucking Shogun, <laughs> like right? You know. Yeah, in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> yeah. which ironically, Joan Chen was in. Uh, actually, hey. no, that's not... I'm sorry, that's not... That's, no, 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 that's wrong. Wasn't. It wasn't yeah. Joan Chen. The girl that plays Mieko. Um, Yoko, yeah. Yoko Shimada. She played Mariko yeah. in Shogun. That's where she's from. My mistake. But uh, now we get a little funky, sexy, threesome-looking thing with the the weird, obviously white, playing Japanese lady uh, and the other Japanese lady behind Kinjo when he's getting his bath on. Yeah. And then they kind of all make out together. So there's this weird little sex cult ninja thing they got going on here. He's like the... Well, I mean, that's probably how they do a lot of their recruitment. You know, like, hey, join our ninja cult. Uh, you get some hot tub threesomes. Hot tub oh, kinjo oh. dick. What's up? Listen, I know, a lot of, I know a lot of motherfuckers that would sign up just for that. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's a valid um, point. Yeah, if you get some yeah. hot tub threesome action, be like, yeah, I'll kill a motherfucker with a sword. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give me one of them. Give me one of them stars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, one of them it's all right. Stars. They're just, they're just kind of showing that they're, I don't know, maybe decadent. You know, hey, yeah, we hire a woman to bathe you, and then you banger like eddie murphy in uh coming to america, coming to america. Um, but anyway they yeah it's it is what it is but paul's back at the hospital watching uh japanese a team on the <laughs> on the on the 11 inch television they have in his room which is like 12 feet above him like way fucking up and in the corner it's pretty awesome like it had little flashbacks to old-timey hospitals there with the, the little box CRT or whatever it's called, the, yeah, the television. Cracked me up. And then, yeah, we get... I love this scene with uh, Japanese Dennis Franz coming back to see Paul, and he gives that cop his sandwich. He's like, oh, fuck, this is suck. I don't like this. It's making me burp. Here, take this, eat this. And goes up to the thing, and Paul's like, I am piecing out of here. Fuck this hospital. Yeah. Goodbye. However, as he's trying to leave here, some of the Kinjo Ninja Death Cult threesome people are coming in to finish the job on uh, Paul here. And Paul's like, nope, I'm leaving. I'm out. See you later, folks. And out uh, out he goes here. The ninjas break in. They, they shut the lights off and shit. And unfortunately, Japanese Dennis Franz gets himself killed here. This would have been, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to our final little section here. This guy would have been a great role for Sammo Hung. Oh, my God, yeah. I would have liked to have seen Sammo Hung get shot through the neck with an arrow from behind. Yeah, he. I actually thought that scene was amazing because he's just standing there saying, "There's no such thing as ninjas." Shabang! (laughs) Can you imagine? You're standing there having a conversation with a guy in a hospital room, you know, protected by police, (laughs) and he's sitting there telling you that there's no such things as ninjas and then all of a sudden he gets an arrow through the neck, Kevin Bacon style, like (laughs) right through. Uh, I thought it was great, and I love that Paul. Sorry, go ahead. Paul should have taken the first. Well, I just going to say Paul should have taken the first fucking flight to New York. Like, oh, pieced out, like right away. 
And then this, this the, the police inspector here, the doctor outside, I should say, gets killed, stabbed through with a, with a sword, uh, his ninja stuff. But then the, the cop is, like, laying over the bed as Paul ducks, and he's like, his last words, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. Here, take my yeah, gun, yeah. good luck. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck, yeah. man, good time to tell me shit. Well... You gotta appreciate a man that in his last moments apologizes and gives you his gun. True. I was wrong. Ninjas are real. That was, like, this is a ninja arrow. <laughs> God damn yeah, it. This is clearly the work of a ninja. <laughs> not an errant not, archer. Yeah, some <laughs> avid hobbyist archer. <laughs> Practicing Fuck. rooftop archery chicanery has <laughs> gone awry. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. <laughs> and it, but uh, he does to his credit Paul takes the gun and he creeps in behind this ninja sneaks up on a ninja good on Paul the ninja swings yeah. around and uh, sinks his sword into the open door and uh, would have killed Paul were it not for the door and Paul shoots that dude right through the chest piece that was actually that was actually good I enjoyed like, that. that was I was like holy shit yeah because the door swings outward. The ninja senses Paul behind him, swings the sword, hits the newly entered into uh, area door, and uh, Paul gets a round off. Paul gets a round off in this dude. I I like this ninja on the stairway where he kills the two cops. He like sweeps the leg out of the cop, whoop, and then he uh, he actually kills three cops, I think. He, but he kills him with a fucking comma. Oh my god, yeah. I would not want to be killed by a comma or a Rottweiler. Um, well, those yeah, are like two fair. of my biggest fears. <laughs> those are two of my biggest fears. Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit random, but I totally agree with yeah. you. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. It's a, if I got to pick my ninja weapon to die at the hands of, the comma would not be it. Yeah. Fuck all that. But yeah, there's a bunch of ninjas creeping around in the hospital here. Paul is hiding on the stairway and he ends up escaping and... I believe he gets out of the hospital here, and if I'm not mistaken, he ends up in the pachinko parlor. Yeah, but I will say, I will say that it was a nice stunt where the ninja swept the leg of the cop on the stairs. Yes, because the stairs look like the stairs look like concrete. Oh, they're real hospital and stairs, I think. That that stunt man really took one for the team because I was looking for padding or mats, and it looked like he actually just. They just said, fuck it, can you fall on these stairs? Yeah. And he said yes, and And did. he did. <laughs> Much like uh, the stuntman in Fight Club who threw himself down the flight of concrete oh, stairs. Do you remember that? Yeah, numerous times, and then they used the first the take. first in the actual take. Cut. Can you imagine? Throw yourself yeah. down those stairs like eight times, terrifying the crew, and then be like, you know what, I like the first one the best. Like, okay, first yeah, of all, First one was you. the best. But yeah, Paul gets out of the hospital here. And uh, the ninjas are none too happy about that, that they let him get away. And he goes into this pachinko parlor. Now, pachinko, it's very much like a video game parlor. It's sort of a loophole around Japan's ban against gambling. So he goes in here. Oh, I just I just assumed that they were straight up gambling. No, okay. you're not allowed to gamble in Japan, so you can win uh, quote-unquote prizes from the pachinko parlor with all these little balls. And you can oh, then, okay. usually they have a like a pawn shop or something nearby a pachinko parlor. So you can then pawn the prizes and get your money. Um, it's it's oh. kind of a loophole thing. They're loud as fuck. And it's it's shown well here. The pachinko parlor is is uh, portrayed very well, with the exception of the little girl that he meets here that helps him. 
Because you're not allowed to be in there unless you're like 17 or some shit. Like, she would never be allowed in there. So this would have been shot in Japan then. This would have been one of the scenes in Japan. Unless they mm. did a really good job of recreating, you know. It's a good question. I don't know what's, if this was shot in Japan or not. There's enough of a of an Asian Japanese population in BC. Yeah, that that's actually. True. I assume yeah. there's pachinko parlors there, so he may he may have uh, have filmed this in in BC, but I don't know. I'm not sure. In any event, Paul here is a uh, he's struggling because he's still you know he's bleeding out his neck and his hands screwed up and his he got did he get stabbed in the shoulder or some shit or is that later? Oh, I can't even remember. Like his arm, he he got his arm all messed up, and then he got a shuriken to the neck. That's right. And I think they said they slit his throat. Oh, I think they did. That's why. His, yeah, because yeah. the ninjas are talking to when when they're having the little, you know, they're in that little circle of coniferous trees in the woods there yeah. of the forests of BC. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, how did you, you let him live to make me look bad? And they're like, now, boss, like we hit him with the sword and the shuriken, I and we stabbed him and shot and him, we, and then I cut yeah, his arm off, yeah. and then I pissed on him, and then I told his mother <laughs> yeah. he sucked, and <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I put my boot up his ass <laughs> like I did. I don't know how this do? guy's Fuck. alive. He's a tough motherfucker. I love that he sees the little girl in the pachinko parlor, and he's he's standing, sort of looking at camera with the girl in front of him and yes. he makes the little sign like phone i need a phone and she turns around and points behind her and then they turn the camera around to see sort of from paul's perspective and he's literally looking at a fucking phone booth yeah like it's yeah, right it's, there it's five six feet away from him yeah it's the only thing not ringing and making noise <laughs> in the room right <laughs> yeah there's no lights or noise coming in <laughs> But yeah, I do like this. He he asks the uh, the person at the I think he calls the hotel, the Grandview Hotel, or somebody, or maybe the operator. I can't tell. But he looks down. There's like tabby boots. Yeah, he sees the ninja tabby boots, and uh, he asks how to say, how do I, you know, say, get me a taxi. He tells the little girl to go get him a taxi, yeah. and then he runs out and causes this giant ass scene in the pachinko parlor, telling people they shouldn't be gambling and stuff. Pulls out his gun and shoots. In this fucking crowd of people, he shoots the machine. <laughs> Yeah. But to his credit, he gets away from the ninja with the throwing star. He goes out. The little girl has successfully hailed him a cab, which looks very much like a Japanese cab with the little shit all over the seats, like the the little nice coverings on the seats and stuff. But the little girl is in the seat with him or in the cab with him. And he's kind of like, what the fuck? Okay, I have to leave because the guy's chasing me with a fucking ninja star. So he gets in and off they drive and they get away. They get away from uh, from ninja with the star there. And I think he, he ditches the little girl here somewhere. I forget how he actually ditches her, but... Oh, no, he just says, you've done enough for me, little angel, or something like that. She wants to go with right. him. Right. And he was he's just like, no, man, like, I'm wanted by motherfucking ninjas, yeah. so I can't I can't be bringing no kid with me. Like Seth like Seth says at the end of, uh, <laughs> yeah, of uh, yeah. From Dusk Till Dawn, I might be a bastard, yeah. but I'm not a fucking bastard. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he, he, he leaves her. And he does the classic Christopher Lambert smile, like when he was grinning earlier, like, I like piggies. And then he just looks at her and he's like, okay, I've got to go now, little angel. You go bye-bye. Like, he's, he's he's such a fucking dad. Oh, yeah. Like in this movie. Gives her a kiss but, on the head. Okay, then. Bye-bye. You go home okay, now. Okay, bye-bye. I'm about to be murdered. There's poison poison <laughs> through my veins. I just watched a cop get shot in the fucking neck. Um, 
I know you're a, a, a eight year old girl in downtown whatever city we're in Nagoya, yeah. and uh, you're yeah. in a cab that you can't pay for. But bye, <laughs> see ya. Oh, he give her he he he, he gave the cab oh, he gave her money. money. That's, right. That's right. Yeah, he's like here, here, take her home. <laughs> what was she fucking doing hanging out there in that fucking? She's a fucking delinquent, man. Fucking, yeah. Oh well. Anyway, he goes. Uh, Paul goes to the Nagoya station here. He meets up with with uh, Takeda and Mieko here. And they tell him that they're going to help him and sort of protect him here. Yes. Takeda's look is badass with his fucking little round sunglasses Those and his long hair. Those fucking glasses are so 90s, man. I love it. I know. I, I mean, dig there's, it. There's, there's an extraordinarily large number of trench coats in this film, which is pretty badass also. Yeah. Uh, he's wearing one. Takeda's wearing one. It's so funny. And then he does another flashback. There's like three flashbacks that he, or, you know, hallucinations or visions that he has from these shurikens. But at no point do these visions help him or lead him in any direction. <laughs> no. Like, it's just a, it's like the movie's got a little bit of a long runtime. And these are, I don't know, they just feel like a little bit art house. Like, they just put them in. And, like, he just keeps waking up, like, oh, oh, another one of my. Uh, visions came you know, along. Patented uh, visions that mean nothing. There's, there's absolutely nothing he gleans from any vision that he ever has. No. So it's honestly, story and structure wise, it's a bit of a waste of time. They're beautiful, but they serve no purpose overall for the for the story of this film. No. Well, it's like, and when they go back into the visions, when he's having them, the flashbacks, like it's all, it's red. Everything's red. She's red. The the sword, the sword bag that he gets in this particular vision when he's in the bathroom getting cleaned up by Maiko is red. Joan Chen in the flashback again is dressed in red. I don't know if that's supposed to be reminiscent of the blood that he saw or the red dress she was wearing when they first met or if it means nothing maybe it's just you know you're analyzing a poem that doesn't mean fucking anything do you know what i mean well, maybe they just thought it looked be, pretty that could be true you know but i mean like in one of his flashbacks everything which was something that they did in the 90s because it was like this cool thing to do is like hey everything's going to be black and white except for one color mm-hmm. so there's a scene where he's laying in bed yeah and everything's in black and white, and she comes in wearing a red dress. And the red dress is the only thing that's actually, you know, saturated with color. Yeah. But again, there's no, there's, there's literally no payoff. No, it never but, comes around. Well, again. speaking, speaking of uh, indirect payoffs, now they get on the motherfucking train. Yeah. Now yeah. we we get the the signature sequence of the whole movie, and this train sequence is worth the price of this movie wherever you can get it. If you can rent it, yeah, man. this is the shit. Everybody gets and on they the all get on trail. like they're golfers, right? All the ninjas are they bring golf bags, right? Because yeah. that's what they hide their swords in. Yeah, they're faking being a golf team, like a, a university golf team or some shit, because they all look like they're you know eighteen. But they get on here under the guise of that, and that's yeah, that's where they're hiding their their ninja outfits and swords and samurai whatever, all that shit. They're they're hiding all that stuff in their golf bags, so. The normal sort of setup here, they're they're getting situated. Takeda and Mieko and Paul here are getting getting to where they need to get, meaning to their seats and stuff. The, uh, the They get some shots of the bullet train here. That's one thing I wish I did do when I was there is take that. I never actually got to take that when I was there. Would have been cool. They do look pretty awesome. Oh. And they really, really do look pretty awesome. Fast as fuck and quiet because it's all maglev, right? It's be the shit. So they're, they're, like, there's a couple of shots where it's going where... Because I don't think the actual fight scenes, like, you can see out the windows. But when they're boarding the train and the, you know, the train 
first starts moving. Yeah. Like, as they're walking through, like, you can see the city outdoors. That's actually um, a good point, because when they did this, the train scene was shot in British Columbia. But when you're okay. when you're in the train and you see the scenery going by, that's actually scenery that's painted on a rotating drum. Oh, is that how they did that's it? That's how okay, they well, did it, there yeah. There you go. Well, I appreciate the uh, extra effort and realism they put into it because I didn't know that they had shot this in BC. So uh, when we were seeing that, so would they have constructed this, or is this like an old train that they fought on? It's pretty cool. I don't know. I think it's a soundstage. I'm not sure. That way, they could get the big drum on the side of it. Um, they may. They have, did an amazing they job because all, all the curtains, all the curtains are closed, right? Yeah. Like they have all the curtains closed when they're doing that because, like, yeah, man, we can't do this shit all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> we only got drums so fucking big, right? Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. So they they closed that shit, and like you said, you get some overhead shots of the of the Shinkansen here throwing down through through whatever line it's running on. But now you get the ninja team taking out some of the train staff and being dressed as train staff and all of the other ninjas taking all their gear and whatnot out of their uh out of their bags and now you get Takeda I fucking love this oh this scene is the shit where he's like they're coming they're gonna try and kill him I'm gonna go hold them off you get these people to the back of the train so he just goes up and he doesn't even take his fucking trench coat off he just takes his sword out and starts clearing (laughs) space he starts cutting yeah. the fucking support beams out and uh, giving himself some room to move here. And I like that Paul's like, fuck me. He just yeah. like puts his head down in his hand like, Jesus fucking yeah. Christ, what am Jesus. I into? What is going what on here, sir? Fuck, you are wrecking things, sir. But then Takeda takes his uh, his trench coat off. My- Mieko gets Paul behind the bar where he's going to be slightly more safe. And yeah. Takeda goes to the front of the train to try and clear some of the passengers to the back and get yeah. them as safe as they can. But the ninjas at the front are like, listen, guys, we didn't kill this guy at the pachinko parlor. I'm fucking pissed at that. So everybody on this train dies. Everybody. Men, women, children, cats, dogs, fucking steaks, stoats, yeah. goats, antelopes, giraffes, gazelles. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Everything dies. And they just start mowing through motherfuckers on this train. They just start killing people. Yeah, and Takeda's basically like, well, you guys stay here, and I'll try to save as many passengers as I can by killing as many ninjas as I can, and let's hope the count works out in our favor. <laughs> that's, basically, <laughs> that's basically it. It's a race. It's a, it's a murder race, really. It's a murder race. Yep. He takes his sword out. Mieko is getting geared up, pulling her sleeves up, getting her her archery shit on and ready to rock, which is also fucking badass. It is. You know, it's- like this is this is a this is a really really throughout the film, like I said, it's got ups and downs, but this this whole scene is solid. Like this is like if you're going to watch the film, like this is amazing. Some of the the work that the the female leader of the ninjas it, it looks a little clumsy, but, yeah. you know, that's fine. A lot of the stuff is really good. I love how Takeda comes in and he's just, like, walking around. He's like, dangerous men are coming from the front of the train. Move to the rear. And he yep. just, like, struts through the train. He's got fucking like, one hand in his down. pocket and a sword in the other. Yeah. yeah. You guys should yeah. get to the back of the train. You're going to get killed. Get the fuck out of here. You know you're badass if you're walking around 
with a sword in one hand and the other hand in your pocket. Like he's just he's goddamn cool. He's like a like a half samurai, half cowboy living in ninety five. It's amazing. Yeah. He's a bad motherfucker. His his facial you said it before, his facial expressions are perfect for this. He's got yeah. that sense of whatever happens here, I got this shit. Yeah. Like I don't care how many motherfuckers are coming down this lane, they're all gonna die, not me. It's so great. You know? Yeah, he's just got that he's walking around with that mushin, right? Yeah. Like just he's completely right focused. Now. Right but now he's is happening. Completely relaxed, right? He's just like keep walking and he's yeah. just moving through the train. Yep. Nothing exists except this moment right now and I'm in it. So and and you're about to not be. <laughs> yeah. You're I'ma mess you up. Fuck this peep up. So yeah, he just stands there and waits and man, these ninjas come through and he starts laying fucking waste to these dudes this sword fight well, is great i love i love how he first just walks on the train and just stares at the ninjas and puts his hand in his pocket and the ninjas are looking at him like the fuck yeah like, who the fuck is run this clown? from us screaming <laughs> we're we're wearing like beige ninja outfits <laughs> drenched in fucking blood and the first guy goes and raises his sword takeda twice as fast just slices his guts open and the ninjas are like looking at oh. him like what what i've never seen a ninja killed and then they throw two shurikens at him or three shurikens yep. and he just goes ting 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 blocks them and then just turns and just walks away like yeah follow me follow yeah. me it's awesome I love when they when he blocks the shuriken and the, the female ninja's like, whoa? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And he just fucking walks away from them with his back to them. It's fantastic. And then he goes through, and I love when the door closes and he uses his sword to slit the pressure mat so they have to fight through the door yeah. to buy him a little bit and more time. Let's just talk about the special effects and the practicality of that. Because yeah. that looked, dude, that looked like he really did it. Because the sparks of, of the wires in and around the door yep. so it actually doesn't work that looked legit that looked like he was actually slicing through that mat yeah it looked fantastic they have the little sparky right little yeah fireworky bullshit at the bottom and then these guys have to kick through the window and kick the fucking door open and it buys him 20 seconds and it also funnels much like 300 it yeah. makes these you know numerous assholes have to funnel through this narrow area where you can just kill them at but will. When they kick through that metal door and it's partially open and partially and then they they kind of slide through it, that that does look like fucking unsafe jagged metal. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. if you've ever used metal siding like, <laughs> yeah. or you know, if you've ever done a metal roof and you're picking it up, you have to have gloves on cuz that will cut the living shit out of you. Oh yeah. And like when I saw that metal door just kind of half flapping, I'm like Jesus, you can slice your fucking face, like, really bad. Speaking of slitting faces. Yes. He then... Let's... let's... Jesus Christ, dude. Takeda has to fight the leader, the the short-haired ninja. Good little fight here. He slices her shoulder, and she, like, sucks the blood out of her own wound and spits it at him. Yeah. And then he just fucking eviscerates her. Yes. And she then gives one of the best lines in the movie where she's on her knees and she says, you'll never see my face, samurai, and holds the sword up on her forehead and fucking cuts her own face off. They don't show it, but god damn, dude. 
God damn it. Yeah, that is commitment. I actually really like that. I actually like the facial expression she made because she looks like she is in searing pain and in her last moments. And then we get the little kudo archery uh, incredible moment here because the ninjas walk up on the window and she just lets an arrow fly gets one of the ninjas right in the chest center mass it was awesome yeah she's fantastic because he just walks through knowing that she's got her shit handled yeah and he just steps off to the side and she just like you said laces that one dude and then the ninjas come through to get her and he just starts slicing and dicing motherfuckers left and right and then she spins off and gets her sword. Oh, yeah. And starts throwing down. Yeah. It's... Like, this is a power couple, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm ever on a train and I want a couple to protect me from ninjas, it's these two. But, of course, uh, one of the ninjas has her down and Lambert pulls out a pistol. Yeah. And is about to shoot the ninja. And Takeda's like, no guns. <laughs> no guns. And basically pushes the gun to the side. Shoots a hole in the window. Takeda throws the gun through the window. And now we've got a bullet train going. There's wind flying everywhere and just making a really, really cool setup. And this is where we get, like, a real, the really awesome line here. Yeah. This is really good because he, Takeda now thinks this ninja that almost killed his wife is Kinjo. Yes. And he wants to kill Kinjo. He wants this battle. And that's where Lambert says, What do we do if he loses? Yeah. What if he loses if and he she's loses? just like, Takeda will not lose. Not and this is this. I really like this last little this last little fight because the ninja takes a swing. Takeda bumps the sword up. So when the ninja is holding his sword, the sword goes into the ceiling. So now his arms are above his head and his body's open. Then. Takeda just slices his stomach open and then they cut to his wife who's just got this like little grin like like, "Ah, see told you little grin of pride and then like that was awesome and then we get the funny scene of Takeda ripping the mask off and he's like it's this kid Joe just like hey Racine come here and he's like hey (laughs) yeah is this kid Joe and he's like no he's like what do you mean no the fuck you no and what the fuck are you talking about? No. <laughs> ripping masks off, and he's like, is this Kinjo? He's walking no. through the train, pointing to people. Is what that Kinjo? What guy? about that guy? This guy over here? Who's fucking, where's Kinjo? God damn it. <laughs> he's so fucking mad. Yeah, he's so <laughs> mad. Like, dude, you just killed like 30 ninjas, man. Like, <laughs> celebrate the little victories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice, uh. Nice cup of coffee in the morning. Just enjoy it, dude. Come on. You're a little too tense. Yeah. They're, they're walking through the train, and Lambert's just, like, wading through the fucking the river of blood, blood that is the train. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, he's just like, it's more, of a, it's more of a grate that lets the blood and bones yes. sluice through. Sluice through. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because they can't find... They can't find Kinjo, and then Takeda has that line. He's like, what the hell is this? He goes, well, I've finally done it. I stepped over the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm crazy now. I'm obviously crazy. Oh, my God. I laugh so hard. Yeah. That was, was, I would say, by far, the best sequence of the whole movie. Yes. Very, very good. The rest of the movie is decent. I do like it, but this, this sequence stands out as being... That's really that's the ha- that's the hallmark. That's the high point of the film, and it doesn't get this good 
again. It just no, doesn't. No, it really doesn't. We're we're right basically at the halfway point here, but uh, yeah, we we've peaked and we're now on the downhill slope. Well, and I think that the one of the problems with the film is it is a little bit too long, and it's really the third act that makes it feel long. Yeah, because right up until this point, it was relatively interesting, and then. I'm, I'm not even saying the third act is bad. No, it just no. draws out a little too much. But we never get that high octane adrenaline rush that we got on the train uh, again. But the cop comes in and basically is questioning Takeda and his wife, and basically everybody on the train said, "No, no, he saved us." And the cops like, "Oh, well, how did you know there were going to be assassins? And why did you show up with a?" bow and a sword um <laughs> how about that and they're like oh well everybody said he's a hero so we're gonna let him go yeah but then we're like they're like well we need to keep uh your sword sir because that's evidence and he's like yeah nobody touches my sword yeah and the cops like no no we need to keep that for evidence and i fucking like this too takeda walks over unsheaths his sword slams it into the floor of the train and then just fucking hammer fists it on the side so the blade breaks in half and it's unusable yeah and then he stands up and gives him the broken sword like here fuck you no one's using my sword i'll get another one and his again his facial expressions are incredible like absolutely incredible when he does that whole section and he's just glaring at the police officer it's tremendous smashes it and he's just he's just dead eyeing him yeah. As he hands him the sword inside the sheath. I thought it was great. And again, I think that goes back to this is a dude living in the wrong time. Like, he's got that, yeah. I'm a samurai, I'm fucking above you. Yeah, yeah. So anything I do for you is just, I'm filled with contempt that I have to do what you want me to do. Fuck you. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? That's yeah. that's the, the facial expression he has when dealing yeah. with pretty much everybody except his wife. Well, yeah, that's actually true because he's just like, yeah, I think you're bang on. Like this guy should have been 19th century real samurai. Yeah. Um, well, but he, here he is in this time talking about the good old days. Well, he even says later, like he's we're going to his little enclosure here on the boat, his little Hans Island thing here he's got going on. And at one point coming up fairly soon here where Lambert meets the swordsmith that has to make Takeda a new yes. sword. And there's a point here that's coming. Well, you know what? I'll fucking wait until we get there just to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So Takeda here brings Racine, brings Paul to his little, again, Hans Island. And he's saying, you know, stay here. You can hang out. We have to get ready because the ninjas are coming. I'm going to kill Kinjo. His wife, Mieko, is here and basically saying, you know, don't leave. Stay here. Take your time. Recover a little bit. And uh, we'll keep you safe. I like this is not one of those scenes like Enter the Dragon where the people in the background, you can tell, don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, the people here yes. are taking their jobs seriously, whether they know what they're doing or not. Like, the people swinging the bokens there, the guys, like, they're taking their steps properly. They're doing their overhead swings. The girls with the longbows are are dressed mm-hmm. in their cool hakamas. They're, they're clearly doing what they're told. And then Takeda calls everybody in and sort of, you know, okay, come on in, take a knee. Like <laughs> Everybody comes in yeah. and he's like, all right, what we've been training for, that shit's happening. So get your shit ready, keep practicing, because we're going to get real and go live here pretty soon. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, in by 1995 standards, he is putting all of these kids, because they're kids, yep. he is putting all of these kids in grave danger. Oh, mortal but, danger, yeah. 
But in 19th century or before, that was the way of life. Yep. Right? That was the way of life. It's like, yeah, uh, hopefully you can die, you know, with honor in service of your master. And, uh, but 95, he's just like, all right, all you high school kids, get ready because I'm letting the ninjas know where Paul is. Just like, <laughs> as we learn a little bit later, it was Paul that tipped them off. It was, sorry. Takeda. It was Takeda that tipped them off as to Paul's location on the train. Yeah. Like he told them. Uh, because he wanted them to come out and try to kill him. Well, he's got such a fucking hard on to kill Kinjo. Yes, that he he is very willing to sacrifice this Gaijin shithead to get his goal accomplished. Like he doesn't care and, about Paul. He doesn't give a fuck about Paul. He cares no, about accomplishing his goal. He does not give a fuck about Paul. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that ninja clan, the Mikado. Mikado. Yeah. Yes. Is it Mikado? Yeah. M- the Mikado, Mikado ninja ninja clan. Yeah. Basically, uh, iced a shit ton of his ancestors. Yeah. So he wants to kill every last one of them. So he does. And then we get the little quick scene of him waking up his drunk ass swordsmith to uh, make him yeah. a new sword. Who I quite like. That guy was pretty ass. awesome. I liked him, man. Yeah. He was good. They was a, he was a good character. I liked that he was just drunk as shit all the time. We bring in here back again to Kinjo. We're kind of going back and forth from Takeda's Island to Kinjo's little enclosure here. I like Kinjo's little house here when Toshishiro Obata yeah. comes in, who plays Rumia, uh, Ryuma, I should say. He brings the girl in here, and uh, they have a little chit-chat about, I think this is where they find out where Paul is, right? Like, this is where Takeda's tip comes, comes to them. Is that correct or no? Uh, I, th- I think, think so. I can't... I, yeah, well, I think, th- well, through the whole thing, uh, Kinjo is is really uh, doubting what to do next because he didn't go onto the train because he felt that he had bad spirits and he's constantly trying to do things that are going to appease the gods. Yes. Um. So several times throughout the film, he's like, "Oh no, I've got I've got a bad spirit attached to me because that fucking Paul got away," <laughs> and then you know he feels bad because. You know, he's an assassin. He was supposed to kill Joan Chen, but actually he doesn't even feel good about that. He doesn't even feel like that was... He felt like that was beneath him. He basically just killed, for lack of a better term, some rich businessman's prostitute Side sex piece, slave. yeah. Yeah, for insulting him. So he's... Kinjo has a bit of a hard time, and and he's trying to make decisions based on what he thinks is going to be right I think in the way of his karma. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like the cut back here to Takeda's Island and they show the. Oh my fuck. This was so funny, dude. Well, I like just before the funny part, I really like where they show the girls doing the longbow draws. Oh, they show that really quickly. And then they show the guy cutting the grass mats. Yes. I like that. And then we get to the funny part here where the, the swordsmith is carrying uh, the charcoal up to get his fire going to, to start working on the sword. And he just basically totally scams Paul into taking the fucking cola for him. And he puts yeah. the, puts yeah. the yoke over Paul and like hooks the shit back on it. Let's go down. Da, 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 da. And then he hooks the coal onto Paul and gets him yeah. to just be his fucking mule. <laughs> it's yeah. fantastic. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lambert's walking and there's some weight to it because like he is struggling a bit. But uh, he's like, I I was injured recently. I shouldn't be doing this, or you know, some some sort of 
Like <laughs> bullshit, trying to talk talk his way out. It was it, it's it's a funny scene. And the swordsman and is like, yeah, 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 yeah. come on, come on, come on, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Fuck you. Yeah, it's good. These they guys sit down, and I think he gives them a little bit of the sake, as I used to call yep. it. <laughs> gives them a little bit of the sake. They get ready to rock here. He sits down. They forge a little bit of a friendship here, as he makes Takeda's new sword. I like this little section. I know it's completely fucking unnecessary. This could have been five minutes of here's your drunk guy he makes the sword he sleeps through a bit of the opening battle or whatever yeah this could have been chopped down a lot but i i don't mind it i don't mind it. he does give paul the uh strong ass japanese jeep fuel here but paul goes back for more to his credit after he like does the spit take of how strong it is he does go back for more yeah so. and he does say like that is the worst sake I've ever had in my life. But after the third sip, he's like, mm, this is pretty good. And I can relate to that. Yes, as can I. Like, you know, <laughs> once, you get a couple, once you get a couple of shots down, you're like, hey, that's pretty good stuff. It's all right. <laughs> I used to have a sake set where, you know, the sake are little, little cups. Yes. And it was a little, it's a set of little cups, but there's a, a tiny, a tiny hole in the bottom of each cup. Okay. So you pick it up and you plug that hole in the bottom of the cup with your finger and then you fill up the cup with sake, so you have to drink it. You can't put it down. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So if you have it and somebody fills your cup, you fucking have to drink it. Otherwise, it spills everywhere. So I can't remember what, what ever happened to that. I wish I still had that. But it was it was made in the, the city that I was uh, that I was living in. But anyway, they, they sort of forged their friendship ahead with the sake here. And then Lambert, I should say Paul Racine finds the old sort of trainer sword that the yeah. that the guy was was uh, forging or, or trains with and he the, the swordsmith starts to train Paul he shows him how to do the 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 backhand grip on it and Paul's like what yeah. the fuck are you talking about you don't hand it this way you hold it with the fucking blade out what are you doing it's yeah. not like that and then the swordsmith is like ah give me that and he holds the sword in the backhand grip comes out with an apple tosses the apple in the air and then and slices that shit out of the air perfectly in half. Yeah. And uh, then they share the apple. But it's pretty cool. He's, Lambert has his little, ah, ha, ha, all right, I, I believe you now. Yeah, You're Lambert's okay. Been, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, makes that proud father face thousand again. lives are in your hand. Hey, all right. hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So they have the little thing. And Paul says, will you, will you teach me? Will you show me how to do that shit? So they end up giving, getting a little bit of a friendship there and sort of a... Uh, uh, teacher-student relationship there. And now we cut back to the city here with some uh, some folks driving around and some people in the nice geisha or uh, kimonos all over the place here in the city. And one of the ninjas here is dressed basically like a cardboard beggar, like a, a homeless person collecting cardboard boxes. And he fucks these three dudes up. It's great. I love this. I like It's really good because he's dressed like a homeless guy. He comes you know, strolling and picking stuff up. They're like, hey, you fucker, get out of here. I love how, as a ninja, like, he's so incredibly resourceful. Yeah. Which we'll talk about a little bit at the end later, just kind of the difference between the ninja and the samurai in this in this film. But he does, like, a little Hapkido cane uh, pull. Yeah. Like, these guys are standing on a loading dock, and, you know, he's walking with a cane, but he uses the cane to hook a guy's ankle and just pull his and that looked really good like but his fucking feet kicked out and he landed like right on the coccyx oh it looked great like it was a 
It was a good My fall. My cock's <laughs> My cock's <laughs> oh. But then that one guy pulls the gun, and he just throws a knife right into that fucking guy's forehead. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's great. And he is getting into this building here, and we cut to the scene in the building. Not in the building, in the office uh, here, where this chick is basically being jealous about the picture uh, of Karina. Yeah. And she's like, well, who's this? And he's like, put that down. She's like, no, who's this? And she's like, put that fucking picture down. And she's like, all right. And she fucking tosses it on the floor. Like, what a fucking stupid. I... Yeah. But he he fucking backhands her. He's like, fuck you. Beats the shit out of her for a second. Yeah. And then Kinjo shows up and he's like, why don't you, talks to the girl, uh, leave. Get the fuck out of here. And he comes in and confronts this fucking dude. Now, yeah, I missed it in the movie. Who is this fucking guy? Well, Joan Chen was like one of his prostitutes in his stable. Right. And she wanted, uh, she didn't want to be with him anymore. Right. She wanted freedom. And he's like, no, you're mine and you're never going to go anywhere. So then Kinjo like cuts him and says, you know, like, why did you have me kill her? Yeah. Why did you have me kill her? And he's just like, yeah, well, she didn't like to listen. And, uh, she wanted to go and he's like, I don't understand. Like, you know, like I bought her expensive clothes. I bought her this, I bought her that. So he's just talking about how much money he spent on her, but she was still a prisoner. Yeah. And, and basically it was her insolence and insults that, uh, he wanted to, uh, <laughs> he wanted to kill her over it. Like Fillmore Slim. What percentage do the girls get? Percentage? Zero. <laughs> Zero, Zero percent. percent. <laughs> they, more they get what I give. They get clothes and food. That's all they get. That, well, that's basically it. So then, fucking. That's when asshole. Kinjo has Fuck the line, guy. like, how, "How much blood do I have to bathe in to get clean?" Because which is a great you know, line. It's amazing because as much of a Kinjo is clearly the villain in this. Yes, he certainly does have. Like, the ninjas do have a code, right? Like, you yep. know, hiding their faces, anyone sees their face. Like, you know, that woman cuts her own face off so nobody can see it because yep. she was just shy of, like, tossing it out the fucking window of the moving train. Like, you know, like, hiding her identity. Yep. But, yeah, Kinjo's basically just trying to get favor back with the gods and make things right. Yeah. And, and he has to kill Paul to feel good. And Takeda has to protect Paul to feel good. Like yeah. they do, they do set their the protagonist and the antagonist. They they set them up quite well with goals that you will be, that that you believe because bad guys don't think good bad guys don't think that they're bad guys. Yeah, like he has to kill Paul to restore his honor. Well, and to be fair, I don't think Takeda gives a fuck about Paul. I think Takeda wants to kill Kinjo to feel good. I think Paul. Oh, is, yeah. Paul is oh. a means to an end for that. Yeah, I. Yeah, I I think I misspoke when I said he has to protect Paul. Like he just has to he just has to use Paul. Um, <laughs> but but both of their goals, both of their goals, really center around Paul. Yes, yeah, is that's fair. Yep. A way that I that that I should have put it. Yeah. Uh, we cut back now to Paul training with the swordsmith here, and I do like they show him pounding and folding the steel and putting a bit of the straw in it mm. to get that carbon content. And using the clay to put the hamon on the blade. I really, really like this part. I think they, they must have done at least a decent amount of research into sword smithing mm. to, uh, to get this. Because, you know, they're, they're putting it in the fire. They're quenching it. They're, they're doing, doing the whole process here of making Takeda's new blade. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Paul is, you know, swinging the sword around, doing his ha-ha-ha, <laughs> laughing his, his face off. And 
The Smith here finishes the blade, which this is a little a little technical nerdy and it's a bit off because he tosses Takeda's new blade to Paul who unsheaths it and holds it which now you're realizing like oh he shouldn't be touching Takeda's fucking blade (laughs) Uh, yeah um what are you doing but that smith would not have finished Takeda's blade he would have smithed it and then sent it to a polisher that's a whole different job that's a whole different specialty it would come back from the polisher to, like a fluffer. To, to like a fluffer, right? He makes the blade, the other dude polishes the blade. A fluffer does what they do. But I do like this where Takeda walks in as Paul is handling his sword and is like, yeah. where's my sword? And he's like, it's right there. And he's like, you let somebody else touch my fucking sword? Yeah, like, yeah. And he doesn't crack a smile. Like, you realize, like, and oh, that shit's this, serious. And this clown? like, Yeah, if, of anybody touching my sword, this fucking guy? Like, are you out of your yeah. mind? Yeah. He he now says, like, I, I've been showing him some stuff. So now we get Takeda taking Paul with his little workshop sword out into the yard. And, to... and almost almost does the Jack Palance <laughs> sheep herder, <laughs> yeah. like, pick up the pick gun. Pick up the gun. <laughs> yeah, he, it's it's almost it's almost but yeah he gives him the gives him the rusty ass uh, fucking sword and and just just starts fucking with him he's right? he's just bullying slapping. him yeah yeah and you can see like mieko here is like takeda what do you hey knock that shit off and the difference in the swords with takeda's like super polished beautiful fucking sword and paul's like yeah. raggedy ass junkyard sword yeah and Takeda's just slapping it out of his hand and holding his fucking sword to his neck and fucking with him. And and then he says that line, like, a hundred years ago, men would have died for much lesser insults. Great, great line. And the, the final line of the scene where he says, you, you know, you're lucky we live in more forgiving times. And then Paul realizes that, oh, he can't kill me because I'm the bait. And then starts fucking, yeah. you know running up and goosing him and grabbing his nuts and you know like hey why don't you why don't you no seriously why don't you fucking kill me you know giving him fucking titty twisters and indian burns like oh kill me because you fucking can't drinking his sake touching his sword hey look i'm touching your sword fuck nuts (laughs) making eyes at his wife you know like i gave your wife a helicopter the other day how do you like that what do you think (laughs) fuck you takeda can you imagine him standing in his fucking kimono open fucking doing a helicopter <laughs> i like piggies <laughs> well, somebody left the barn door open Whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's too funny yeah he and when he walks up when takeda walks away and he walks up behind takeda and smacks his sword against the scabbard of takeda's yeah. sword yeah like i remember hearing stories about like you mentioned before old time samurai yeah. And if they walk down the road and your scabbard accidentally hit their scabbard, they would fucking kill yes. you for that. Oh, immediately. Like, yeah. you would you would be in a duel for your fucking life, right? Yes. And that's the kind of guy Takeda is. Yeah. He's that guy. He's that guy you don't fuck with. But, like you said, also, Paul now knows this fucking guy can't kill me. Yeah. Because if he kills me, he doesn't kill Kinjo and that he doesn't get his thing. So uh suck on D's nuts, Takeda. <laughs> yeah, D's. <laughs> <laughs> is is how this goes. Takeda's like, fuck you, and he just walks suck away. On, suck on May's our shit. <laughs> <laughs> and to be to her credit, Mieko's like, um, how about you not 
fucking push him because he might yeah. snap and fucking kill you just to see you die. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah. like he, he's, he is not the guy to play with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. He's sitting there with a sword out of his ass. Like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think you were going to do that. <laughs> really should have thought that through. Really, should've. But at the same time, oh. like at the same fucking time, like just because he can't kill you doesn't mean he can't chop off one of your fucking ears. Yeah. Right. Right. Like slowly, you know, <laughs> you're fucking standing there and he fucking just swings the blade by. And now you got fucking two fucking holes in your face where your nose used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like piggies that much. Yeah, well, yeah, well now that's what you fucking look like. <laughs> I do like the scene here where they have a couple of words and uh, Paul tries to walk away. Takeda grabs him and Paul turns around and fucking socks him in the mouth and drops Takeda. And he goes, not bad for a gaijin, huh? Yeah. And Takeda, all his students run up and grab him and Takeda stands up and is like, yeah, not bad for a gaijin. And then says this to his students, get him away from me before I kill him. Before I kill him. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I very much like that line. Like this fucking guy's gonna push me to the point where it's not shit's not worth it. Like I'm just gonna fucking yeah. cut this guy into ribbons. <laughs> but he, uh, his next line is, uh, "Tell Kid Joe that Racine is here and he better come tonight." Because you know that you know Takeda's like, "I'm killing this guy tomorrow." Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> if whether whether Kinjo shows up or not, this motherfucker is dead. I'm gonna... He's touching my sword, punch my mouth. <laughs> He's gonna dread Pirate Roberts' fucker. Okay, night. Yeah. I'll most likely yeah. kill you in the morning. Like... <laughs> yeah, and she he fucking ties him up. They tie him up and put him I in know. the room. Yeah, yeah. So he is literal. He is literal bait here. Oh, and he knows it, because he's like, what are you doing? Mieko comes in here to talk to him, and uh, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you guys are going to draw all these th- people in and get all these fucking kids killed? And Mieko yeah. says, I'm, I back my husband. I'm backing him up. Yeah. That's what I do. And she's got his yeah. fucking cool-ass armor on and shit. She's bad. I love her. I like how Kinjo just shows up on a goddamn boat, and there's like... You know, little students waiting there to greet the ninjas. Like, <laughs> you know, like a... <laughs> Julie, the fucking cruise director of the love boat. Hey, everybody, welcome. You know. Welcome to Takeda's Island. How are you? We've got snacks welcome and refreshments on the Takeda's east Takeda's Island. Island. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Racine is in the uh, center hut. He's tied to a rock. Uh, you will all be fighting to the death. And uh... anybody who survives, there's fish tacos on the promenade deck. So, yeah. yeah, I like this. Mieko goes in here to wake up the swordsmith, and uh, yeah. he acknowledges her briefly and then goes directly the fuck back to sleep. But, I mean, she says, like, she backs her husband, but as soon as Kinjo arrives, yeah. she's like, okay, Kinjo's here, release Paul. Yeah. Let she him go. says get to him the swordsman, here. like, let him go, get him out of here, Kinjo's here, they're going to have their duel, get him out of here. My, my husband's going to kill Kinjo, and then he's going to kill Paul. So... Yeah, please, and then he's gonna kill Paul. <laughs> please, please get Paul out of here <laughs> for multiple slights made against him. <laughs> Paul, Paul slid his cock along the blade of King fucking Takeda's sword. <laughs> I'm gonna put my nutsack on the hilt of your sword. Don't you do it? Don't you fucking do it? <laughs> I'm going to put my nutsack on your taiko drums. No. That's so funny. 
visuals in my head are fucking hilarious right now. Yeah. Fucking Christopher Lambert just fucking Happy Gilmore taint humping the fucking handle. Fucking yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> just he just puts the sword and scabbard between his legs and just starts thrusting the air. <laughs> oh my god. This uh, guy is so dead. <coughs> I'm gonna fucking kill that stupid ass Frenchman. Oh fuck. Anyway, Takeda and um and uh Kinjo here meet in the forest for their little final duel. I this is okay. I wish this last fight was better. I wish the fight was better, but I actually I do like the fake out. So let's talk about yes. the fake out before we talk about the fight. Yeah, I do like that because this is really good. Kinjo comes in here and you think, okay, this is gonna be the big final ending here. But then in sort of classic trickery ninja style, Kinjo says, I'm not Kinjo. I'm his servant. Well, yeah, because first he's like, show me Paul. And he's like, uh, you're just going to have to trust me. Paul's here. And he's like, I'm not going to fight unless I know Paul's here. So he's like, ah, I'm Sato. I'm Kinjo's messenger. I'm not a warrior. I'm just here to do it. So he starts totally faking this guy out which is awesome yeah it's really good and takeda fucking buys it too he does buy it yeah he 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 draws his sword and but kinjo was like no no i'm sato like he's on he's literally on his knees begging for his he's life on his knees begging like i'm not a warrior please don't kill me please don't kill me uh he's like kinjo's on the boat and when, when takeda runs away that gives the ninjas who are up in the trees that were like stowing away yeah they start launching arrows down and they take uh, they all start the chicks out the archery students yeah they take all of them out quickly and it sucks because mieko gets an arrow through her back yeah she does get one right through the back but she drops but, the guy that know, got her yeah which you know good for her good for her one but, guy but you know damage done yeah, yeah takedo totally got played totally Absolutely. got played because now all of his backup is down in that split second there's ninjas just running through going mad shit all over the place. Yeah. And it's a decent little fight. It's it's the choreography shows a little bit, but it's not bad. Like for, for the movie that it is for 95 and for, for who's in it, I, I wish the caliber was more on Takeda's level all around. The, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of when we were talking about, you know, the train scene. You know, the train scene was done really, really well. And this this was just okay. Yeah. Like... You know, there's scenes where there's five or six ninjas, and they're just kind of waggling their swords. Oh, like, yeah. I'm going to intimidate you by waggling my sword. <laughs> and it's okay, but then Takeda takes out, like, six ninjas. Then, you know, like, Kinjo's taking out the students. It's decent. It's okay. Like, it is, it is, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to shit on it. No. It's like, just not high-level stuff. No, I don't mind it, but once you see a really good movie with, like... Even going back to Seven Samurai, the the Akira Kurosawa movie, yeah, that movie's the shit. Yeah, the the movie Seppuku that was tremendous. Yeah, there, there's a bunch out now that are very very good that we should throw in in future seasons. But yeah, let's do that. But uh, the the blacksmith here takes Paul down to his boat to get him out of here, and Paul, to his credit, is like, uh, you know what, I gotta, I can't leave Mieko. I gotta go back and help her. Yeah, and he lets the blacksmith go. He pushes him off and sends him off. And heads back. It's a good little scene here because you can you can kind of feel the relationship between these guys, even through the language barrier that they have. Yes, which I quite liked. I think these guys did a good job, both both Lambert and the the actor who plays the uh, the swordsmith here, who I I don't know his name. I think it's it's James Sato, but I don't 
I don't know. I think it's James Sato. But anyway, these guys do a yeah. great job at this. And the he's the swordsmith is like, okay, you know, thank you. Okay, bye. I'll I'll I'll, I'll go get help and I'll come back or whatever. Paul pushes him off, and then goes back to uh, to try and help and or find Mieko to help her out and help Takeda. I don't think he really gives a fuck about Takeda because they had their <laughs> they had their little no, but the little face. But our sword our sword maker does have the funny final line as he's rowing away. He was like, ah, I was gonna get you to row, yeah. like because <laughs> you know, he was like, you know, he's definitely the jester like, slash comic relief of yeah, this movie. He is he is pretty funny in this, and he comes back at the very end with a good line too. So yeah, but uh, yeah, there's some cool stuff here where now Takeda is walking through the slain bodies of everybody and is trying to fight these ninjas off and gets his yeah gets his arms grabbed by these chains and loses his sword and gets pulled in uh in two directions here and frozen by these ninjas and then kinjo comes up and basically has takeda right where he wants him yeah and takeda's like saying you know throughout is trying to restore his honor and Kinjo's like, you fucking idiot. You dipshit. I don't fight for honor. I fight to I win. I fight to fucking like, win. And, uh, which is a great line. Which is, yeah, it is It is awesome because, you know, he doesn't care how he wins. Like, he's going to get Takeda killed. So, you know, him dropping down to his knees and begging, pretending he was scared. I'm not Kinjo. I'm just a fucking messenger. Yeah. And then, shah, bah, bah, bah. Like, <laughs> like, that 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 method of winning doesn't like that's not cheating that, like he's there to win so he's going to use all of his ninja tricks yeah i really love this part where kinjo has him but then mieko just fucking arrows that dude in the neck yeah and takeda gets loose kills the other ninja bends over i love how he picks up his sword and like palm heals it near where the the tsuka is the 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 the, the guard just to make sure mm. everything's okay. The pins are still in it. It's still okay. Pap, make sure it's solid. And then he walks over. He's aware of where Kinjo is, and he's keeping his eye on him, but he goes to his wife, and yeah, the arrow is literally through her. Yes. But he's breaks the, the, uh, the fletching off of the arrow on her back Yeah, and then grabs the arrow in the front and is, is talking to her. And is saying, like, I forget what he says exactly, but it's basically, he says, this sucks. He says, I'm sorry, yeah. um, I made you part of the Takeda curse, right? Yes, and that's right, that's right. She's like, it's not a curse, I will gladly share your destiny. Like, that's she's right. like, whatever you're going, whatever your destiny is, like, I'm there. Yeah, like, that's curse or no. Yeah. And he pulls the arrow it's right out awesome. through her. It's fucking fantastic, like... And you said it earlier again. Their relationship is tremendous, and it's really well played yes. by both of these actors. Really yeah, great, really. And then she kind of like is, oh, like holy fuck, that's over. I'm done. My sword, my my arrows, out of me now. And then Takeda takes his sword and goes over to face Kinjo, which is what he wanted all along. And it's a great long shot with that sort of painted panorama Dude. background with the lightning and the castle yeah. in the background, and the fucking rain yeah. starts. It's badass. Like it's really good. I think a lot of it might be fake, like when they have that yes. wide shot, like oh, the yeah. skyline and the moon and all that stuff. Like you know, like you say, painted in later. I think it was but all painted in. Yeah, it is awesome. It looked great. I, I I I really liked it. The fucking rain and the moonlight and the lanterns. Yeah, like it's great. And then we get our final showdown, which it's it's good. Like it is, good. It, is it is good. 
not taking anything away from it. No, man. These two guys are, are decent, and the choreography here is pretty great. They do a good job of holding kind of a medium-wide shot, so you can still see yeah. what they're doing. I love yes. Takeda's outfit, right? The the gi that he has and the kimono that he has on with the Hakama. Mm. I like Kinjo's ninja uniform. It's a really good contrast here. They end up back-to-back here at one point, and they're kind of looking at each other and where you know feeling the other's movement and where's he gonna go and what's he gonna do it's really good I, man. I, I, yeah i like that and you know takeda actually you know at the beginning did get slashed right across the cheek yes so he's bleeding and the two of them are the two of them are basically just feeling each other out and their styles look interesting and their styles look a little bit different um you know the way they stand like takeda in that in that hakama Love is it. like you know like dropped right down like it's it's really cool yeah he's hitting all the classic samurai poses right yeah and they keep cutting back to his wife who's just like standing there watching in the rain it's it's done really really good again maybe not as impactful as some other final showdowns i've seen but pretty good and then they finally square off kinjo spins around and stabs takeda through behind him through his back behind him yeah but then Takeda turns around and stabs Kinjo through the leg, through the thigh with his sword. So they're both it's actually, now wounded. It's fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. And the effect, there's a, there's a shot that looked really good where Takeda has the sword through him. Yeah. And he pulls it, he pulls it out. Fucking fantastic. It, that looked, fuck, dude, that looked real. Like, that looked, yeah. that is a really good effect because he basically pulls pulls the sword out and you can actually see it like it looks like it's really going through his body oh it's yeah really good that was a tremendous effect i don't know how they did it i don't it, know how they did it but when he pulls that out and you see the blade slide out into his back and through the front and then he turns yeah. around and you can see he's mortally wounded yeah he's and he's sort of flailing and swinging the sword and then he falls to his knees and stabs the sword in the ground in front of him yeah and when he looks up at kinjo like the look on his face of like fuck i'm yeah. right there god damn it and i forget what his damn. last line is before he falls over and collapses but it's fucking he great. says i'll he oh, says I'll, I'll i'll meet you in hell i'll see you in hell yeah i'll i'll be waiting I'll, for you in i think he says i'll be waiting for you in hell yeah i think that's what he says fucking great and then mieko sees that her husband has been killed yeah lines him up with an arrow and shoots it and fucking kinjo catches that shit last dragon style <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It was good, and now he's making his way over to kill her. Yeah. But who shows up? Fucking Yay. Paul! Yay. The fucking white French New York noob. <laughs> um, <laughs> shows up to held save Mieko. Held a sword for the first time, like, fucking... 18 minutes Three ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's, and that's, that's one of the big problems I had with the end of that Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like, Ray picks up the lightsaber at the very end to take on Kylo Ren. Yeah. Who's been doing it his whole life, trained by Luke. Yep. And this is kind of, this is kind of maybe where they got the idea. I don't know. Yeah. But, it's hard to say. But uh, Mieko. Kindred goes over to kill Mieko, like you said. She pulls out her little Tanto blade or her Wakizashi, I can't tell. He just swats that shit away. And when he raises the blade, I love that he raises the blade and she, like, sits up nice and square. Like, fuck you. Yes. Like, she sits up to yeah. give him the, I'm not going to whimper for you. 
Yes. But then she kind of morphs into Kirina. Into, yeah. And he pauses. And when he pauses, that gives Paul the chance to uh, get in there and be able to block his final death blow here. And Paul stabs him right through the shoulder. Right through his right shoulder, which forces Kinjo to fight him left-handed. Right. And, you know, like, they cut to uh, left-handed. Maybe I have a chance. Yeah, you don't. Like, well, you don't. You don't, but, I'm a fucking blue belt in jiu-jitsu, okay? If I go against my fucking instructor, (laughs) he can do everything on his wrong side, drunk, after a fucking bad burrito, (laughs) and he'll still fucking beat the shit out of me with very little sweat coming out of his head at all. Okay. Coming in on a four-day hunger strike. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, he's still losing in a very quick and very orderly fashion. That shit's not... Oh, he's left-handed. He never practices with his left hand. Like, he fuck off. He drank 15 Bacardi Breezers in the backseat of the car on the way to the dojo. (laughs) Bacardi Breezer. I'm gonna fuck up that pussy McCarran. Bad. (laughs) And he would. That's the shitty part about it. I'm gonna... Yeah. I remember when I first fucking joined, you know, Dad and I were white belts, and there was a guy that was a brown belt, and he started talking shit to my dad, right? And my dad, my dad got so mad because he just kind of nodded to the guy, and then when we got outside, we're walking across the parking lot to the car, and Dad's like, I don't care if that guy is a brown belt, I'll use that to hang the son of a whore from the ceiling of that dojo. Like... Like, talk to me like that. Condescend me. Like, I'll hang that son of a whore with his brown belt. That sounds like, like Kenny. I can totally see Kenny yeah, saying yeah. that. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck, that's funny. Oh, man. So something, I forget what happens here. They they have a little scrappity scrap, and uh, Kinjo, shit collapses on top of Kinjo and crushes him, right? Yeah, well, they're basically, yeah, which, I mean... Lambert doesn't technically beat him. They're inside like a little hut. Yeah. And Lambert runs out and slices the support beam, you know, like Brandon Lee and yes. uh, Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire, yeah. Yeah, and that falls down on Kinjo, and he's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then he's walking over, and Kinjo jumps out. He breaks and he's the all sword. Fucking, yeah, he breaks the sword. But then, he, yeah, Kinjo's, Kinjo shows back up, and fucking Brandon, I always call him Brandon, and Paul punches him in the leg he got stabbed in and then punches him yeah. in the shoulder he got stabbed in <laughs> and then fucking, yeah much like uh much like our last movie prodigal son hey injure him and then focus yeah. on the injury <laughs> exactly but then so they have kind of like you know now they're just two dudes in a parking lot like scrapping after the bar closes okay. here it's but they're having fisticuffs here and Kinjo pushes Paul up against the brick or stone wall, and Paul takes a yeah. fucking rock bigger than his hand and smashes yes. it into Kinjo's face, I believe, three times. Like, a fucking rock, dude. Bam! And, bam! You know, bam! And the fight is not over yet, which is yes. stupid. That would break his teeth. His nose wouldn't be in the right place yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? He'd be fucked up and far from home. To his credit, like, Kinjo kind of has this, like, you know, that, like, knocked out but awake yes. look. Yeah, that, like, he does that really, really well. Stanky leg But look. then it just fucking wears off because he, like, 
pulls out a shuriken and like fires it at Paul and hits him. And then he's about to kill Paul with the sword. And and Mieko does a very yeah. high risk maneuver here for a yes. for a fucking noob swordsman because she yes. throws a sword at Paul, assuming he's going to catch it. Yeah. And then assuming he knows what to do with it. <laughs> she fucking yeah. sidearm swings that shit. Paul catches it right by the handle, much like Big Trouble in Little China catches the fucking blade and then throws it back. Yeah, and then throws it back. Like, he catches his sword and as, cuts Kinjo's fucking head off. As soon as she threw it, it made me think of the feral boy and the road warrior with that fucking boomerang with the blades <laughs> on it. Yep. And he threw it, and that guy, like, reaches up to catch it. He's like, oh, I got it. And then it chops all his fingers off. And it's like, well, yeah. I just expected that. But, uh, no, he chops Kinjo's head off. Woof. Which, hey, first, man, my first sword fight, I killed the head ninja. And decapitated, decapitated him. Decapitated him. Pretty great. And then he carries her off kind of romantically. I don't, I don't fucking know. Like Kind of weird. But I guess she can't walk because she got an arrow literally shot through her body. Yeah. So he's kind of got to carry her. But as he's carrying her, the swordsmith guy runs back in full armor with a fucking Naginata. Yeah. And he's like, hey, what's happening? And Paul's like, uh, kind of. Do- now, this the tone of this scene kind of fucks with me a bit because Paul's like half smiling at the guy. And he's like, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, fucking battle's over, dude. Like, you missed it. And yeah. that guy, the swordsmith, finishes the movie with, well, I must have scared all those ninjas off. <laughs> uh, mm. But, like, Takeda's dead. Mieko's husband, dead. Yeah. They're mortally injured. Paul's got a shuriken in his fucking shoulder. She's, all the kids are dead. All the kids are dead. All the kids. She's probably going to die because she had an arrow shot through her. She's internally oh, bleeding yeah. out. Like, this is not a happy... Oh, no. freeze frame jokey time hey. at the end. Like, yeah, it's a fucking exactly. weird ending. But uh, honestly, whatever. like, I think a rewrite on this. I don't think you need. I don't think you necessarily need Christopher Lambert. No, or you don't. maybe you've got some other way to push this together. Or maybe like, hey, why don't you not use Christopher Lambert? Why don't you use like some fucking no name guy? Like. I don't know, guy. the 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 guy in the Barks has bite commercial. Like, hey, you don't got to pay him much. <laughs> yeah, they bring in Christopher Lambert. So you bring in Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert's like, well, I'll take it if I get to kill the ninja and cut his head off and yeah. be better at swordplay than the guy that does that's known for being good at swordplay. I get top billing. Like, I get top billing, and I get his wife at the end. And <laughs> I get to have sex with Joan Chen. I get to taint hump his sword. <laughs> yeah like all that all that so i mean it's a little it's a little uneven for me overall it is um but i it's look i enjoyed it i i really enjoyed it so i enjoyed it a lot and it is i'll tell you man we set it off the jump it is far from an eight percent movie oh 100 under fucking rated it's it's not the best movie we've watched on the podcast no. but it is it's not the goddamn worst i'll tell you that right now yeah. So, all right, man. So that's a wrap on uh, 1995's The Hunted with Christopher Lambert. So going through the categories here, if we start off, let's start off with soundtrack. I fucking dug the soundtrack. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I, I thought it was good. I'm going to go 3.5 fists out of five on the soundtrack. I thought it worked. I thought the Foley was uh, quite good, too. Yeah. Like, especially on the train. Like, the train Foley was really good. Yeah, I'm going four fists out of five. I thought the music really contributed to the storyline itself. I love the, the fact that they used the Taiko drum crew Kodo. I thought that was yeah, fantastic man. to pull it into that whole Japanese feel. It was great. Yes. Really, really well done. I thought that was fantastic. Um, acting. The acting is, the, honestly, the acting is really good in this. I'm going to go four fists out of five for acting. You Initially, I was thinking about Lambert's kind of acting because he's basically being Christopher Lambert. Like, he's, he's, he's being himself yeah. with all of his classic idioms and tropes and whatnot. Yeah. But everybody else is solid. Like, Kinjo is amazing. Takeda is amazing. Yeah. And Takeda's wife is amazing. So I'm going to go four fists out of five for acting in this film. Yeah, I'm going four fists for acting as well. Basically the same reason. Honestly, the weak link, and I don't mean this as an insult, but the weak link is Christopher Lambert. Because he is who he is. I mean, if you put a white wig with long hair on him, that's Raiden. Like, you don't have to make any fucking changes to the guy to make him Raiden from from Paul Racine. It's the same character. Yeah, and I mean, like, he did such a great job as Connor McLeod. Like, he did... did... Accent aside. Yeah, like, okay, here here he's in a movie, and he's like, okay, like, he's already played essentially the greatest swordsman in the world, right? Because that's that's Connor McLeod. Like, he killed all of the other... um, all of the other immortals... Uh, he killed them all. He's the greatest swords person of all time. So then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's going to be in a samurai ninja movie. And he doesn't know shit, which is fair. But I don't know why you would pick him to do this role when he's already played the greatest swordsman of all time. And you just basically put him in there and he, he doesn't know shit about shit. Well, I think he got typecast by Highlander and he just kept getting chucked these pseudo martial arts movie roles. Hey, do you have anything where I can't use a sword good? <laughs> right. <laughs> do I have do a I? movie for you? Yeah. So, but originally yeah. was going to be played by William Hung, but you, <laughs> sir, are it. Yeah, but I I totally agree with what you said. Yoshio Harada, who plays Takeda, is tremendous in this. Yoko Shimada, who plays Mieko, is tremendous in this. All the supporting people are, are awesome. They're tremendous. I really, really like this movie, man. Like, there's nothing really takes me out of the movie other than a bit of... There's a couple of little plot points and the casting of Lambert. That's really it. So, other than that, I, I dig this movie. What about martial arts? Yeah, so for martial arts, I'm going to give this a 3.5 fists out of 5. Overall, this is great martial arts. The scene on the train is absolutely fantastic the other stuff it's it's actually quite good there's nothing really offensively bad but i mean i think when you get that really great scene in the middle just kind of hoping for something at that level for my final boss fight that you know i think it came up a little bit short yeah i'm, I'm the same way here i'm 3.5 fists out of five as well my rationale for that is i would give it three fists out of five because it's okay like, the sword fights are decent. Most of it is okay. I got to bump at that extra half point because that train scene is tremendous. Yeah. I really like the train scene a lot. 
it is the set piece and the focal point of the whole movie. And uh, I, I can't I can't feel good about myself giving it less than three and a half for the whole movie on on average because of that. So I'm three point five fists out of five for martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, I think having the lieutenant, the police lieutenant, who is in this movie played by Masumi Okada, I would throw Sammo Hung in there as that guy because that would be funny to see Sammo get shot through the neck and have that comedic line yeah. of, I'm sorry, here, I'm take my sorry. gun. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be Ninjas are real, take my gun. That would be great. Yeah, I think I think it's good. And, you know, I mean, I think Sammo may have – I love the train scene, but I think Sammo might have really – added some excitement to kind of our final battle but i i, th- I think he'd be excellent as the uh, as the police chief i think he'd be good there too i think william hung if the acting would work should play the christopher lambert role i like the christopher lambert role it's almost like the thing that they do in movies where they kidnap a girl do you know what i mean like yeah. they're always kidnapping yeah. a girl but because they captured Christopher Lambert, he had to. Uh, now I got to use a sword and kill the main bad guy. A scared William Hung in in that role would be hilarious. It would be the greatest. Yeah, it would be the greatest. Like if you could do that, and then again re reconfigure the final little end bit here, so that Takeda doesn't die. Yeah. William Hung gets his ass kicked by Kinjo. He gets cut in a way that he is incapacitated. And you get a really good final battle between Takeda and Kinjo. That would have been, yeah, that would have been a good way to go. I mean, you feel you feel bad for Takeda for dying and not restoring his family honor. But maybe yeah. that's karma for being a real douchebag. And basically, people die. Like, yes, Kinjo killed Joan Chen. But you want to talk about who's responsible for more death in this film? It's Takeda. Like it is Takeda. Yeah, he everybody everybody on that train. Like he told. Like he didn't give a fuck about anybody on that train. He just like let Kinjo know that we're going to be on this train. And you know, at the beginning, where he's like, "Yeah, we'll try to save as many people as we can." Like, well, you put them in that situation, sir. (laughs) Like, yeah, for a guy who talks a lot about honor. Like if you had said to to Takeda, "Hey, you can fight Kinjo, but you got to kill everybody on this train car," he yeah. would have done it. Oh yeah, like he wouldn't have yeah. thought twice about that shit. Yeah, so, so maybe think, maybe he did yeah. get what he deserved. But I think if you if you made William Hung the Christopher Lambert role and then made Takeda live and yeah. kill Kinjo at the end and get back together with his wife. Then that little comedic ending with the swordsmith would have played a little bit better. Yeah, a little, a little bit better. Like not a lot because all the kids were still dead and fucking fifty eleven people still died. So yeah, but I mean, like, like would have played super better. But I, I don't think you needed that that kind of masculine macho role for Christopher Lambert. Like you could have cast, you could have cast a, like you could have made that character somebody like a New York businessman like constantly shitting his pants throughout yeah. the throughout the film. I think it would have worked. I, I don't know. I just think it would have worked a bit better instead of, yeah. you know, having having him ultimately take Kinjo out. Like the like the wife in Twister 
Yes. Remember yes. Bill Paxton's wife and Twister? Like, Jesus Christ, I'm shitting my pants all the time. Yeah. What the yes. fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. all the time, no matter what's happening. He killed that guy with a sword. Holy fuck. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I pooped a little. Like, <laughs> just all the time. It would have been a better movie, I think, if that had happened. All right, man. So that's a wrap on 1995's The Hunted Good Flick. Thanks for recommending that, man. I, I hadn't seen that in a long time. That was well worth the rewatch. Yeah, man. So, the final movie of season two is coming up next week, and we are going to end it the way we started it. We started off with Mortal Kombat. We are finishing with 2021's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, man. We're going to go to the remake. We're going to see how it turned out. I've already watched it. I know you have, too. We're going to go through it. Yeah. Talk about it and see what's up. Did you like it? Yes? No? I can't remember. I actually, I, I really liked parts of that movie. Like, there was parts of that that I really 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 liked and i'm gonna be perfectly honest there were parts of the 1995 film that i thought did a better job i i totally agree with you there's some parts of this in 2021's mortal Kombat that when i first started watching it i was like oh my god this is gonna be the shit i can't wait for this to get rolling yeah and then it got rolling and i was like fuck i wish they had kind of gone in a little bit of a different direction well like i was watching it going fuck where's the tournament <laughs> like you know mortal yeah, Kombat, right <laughs> mortal Kombat needs a few things one yeah a lot of gore two it needs a tournament and i'm like what are they doing why are they hiding in a cave what's raiden making a force field for uh what's going on are they getting him a glass of water what's happening here so <laughs> but anyway like oh like there were some really fucking great things in it and there were some things that i thought were shy but yeah we'll break it down next week and get right into it we'll break it down next week and cap off season two with 2021's mortal Kombat on you have offended this podcast <laughs>